everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Good morning, everybody. Can we uh, give John and Mel another round of applause? What an amazing morning. Woo! Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Kathy Aberline. I'm married to my husband, Ron, who's back in the soundboard for almost 34 years. We are blessed to have four children, two boys and two girls, and uh, we've been coming to Market Street Church now for almost three years, and I'm telling you, this place is on fire for the Lord. It really is. I wanted to read a passage to you this morning. It's out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. If you want to get a second, I'll let you grab your Bibles. And another note, just before I read this, um, I did want to um, say something just real quick. I am Pastor Chris's favorite neighbor. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Carol. Sorry, Reba. But I am the favorite. <coughs> I just had to say that this morning. <coughs> Anyways, if you could turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility can consider other, one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of, of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also is in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this reason, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And of those who are in heaven and on earth and under earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate it. So we are um, in a series that we call um, Core Vision. Um, It's what we are as a church, what we need to be as a church, I should say. And for us, it's we need, we need to think about making some revisions um, in our own life, and our own faith, and in the fact that we are Jesus followers. And we, we want to be a, a place that uh, the mission is taken to the market. Um, and so if you're trying to get a sense of wh- what we are as a, as a church, we want to we take the mission of Jesus to the market. Uh, we want to take from the seats to the streets uh, the gospel of Jesus, the, the good news that, and the hope that is found in, in Jesus. And we simply want to just be the church. We don't want to be a people that just go to church. Uh, we want to be, be the church. And so uh, we're taking these next few weeks and just talking about what we need to be as a, as a people to be the church, what does it look like? If, if you didn't 
uh, here last week, um, we talked about the fact that where we, we always need to start. Um, and if you are, you know, new to church or, or wanting to check out church, this is the kind of a church that you want to be a part of. And it's a church that uh, makes it all about Jesus. That's the kind of church uh, that, that you want to be a part of, a church that it's not about anything else or anyone else. It's about Jesus. And, and because, like we just sang, uh, he and what Kathy just read, he, he's the name. He's the name that is above every name. We, when people think about you, when people think about me, when people think about Market Street Church, we want them to automatically think Jesus. That's what we want them to automatically think. Who, what is Jesus? Who is Jesus? How amazing is Jesus? That's what we want people to think about. And so we just, we're coming around these, these ideas. And, we, and I think we just need to make some revisions uh, when it comes to our own personal walk with the Lord. Um, did anybody get a, um, a, a sucker, another sucker this morning, a dum-dum sucker? Did you get the, the, a dum-dum sucker? Okay. All right. You, uh, some of you, if you didn't get a dum-dum sucker, they're available to you out there. Uh, you, can, you can get one. Maybe not right now. You, you missed that window. You missed that window, um, but if you're, you're welcome to, um, and I, you can have mine. If anybody really wants one right now, you can have, you can have my, mine if, if uh, I don't know what I have. It looks like I have cherry, um, but um, it, all of us are, here's, here's the thing about uh, these suckers. So last week, you may have gotten a blow pop. I know, like we, these are my incentives to get you to come in person uh, to church. So if you're at home and this is not enough for you, I, I understand. It's just a sucker. Uh, but uh, last week, you maybe you got a, like a blow pop sucker. This week, you get a dumb, dumb sucker. Now, um, out of the two, out of the two, the blow pop sucker uh, with the gum and, and some of you last week, uh, some of you weirdos like the Tootsie Pop ones uh, better than the gum ones, which I don't understand, but that's you. That's why we're unique and different and, and, and special in our own way. Um, so all of us are, we, I would think, I would, I would assume, maybe not everyone, but most of us would, would, if we had a choice between the blow pop and the dum-dum, you would choose the blow pop sucker. It's bigger. You got, you know, that, that gum, you know, and the core of it, you know, and, and, and this is just a little tiny little thing. And, and so I think for the majority of us, um, just, and I'm not going to to have you show your hands now because I think that I would be proven wrong or some sort of, that's usually how these things work. Um, you're like, you were like, no, I would refer, prefer the dum-dum. Well, if you do, if you do, you're in good company because ultimately, I think when it comes to God, when it comes to God, whether it's, you know, this one looks, it's bigger, it's, it's got, they've got, you know, uh, you know, it's got the gum in the middle. When it comes to God, God would actually choose the dum-dum. He would choose the dum-dum over the blow pop. He would, he would God, when it, when it comes to the things of God and, the, and God's mindset, he always chooses the dum-dum. And so here's why we know that, because it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 1 27, it says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And so the world, the way that the world thinks, the world's mindset is the world chooses, oftentimes the world chooses the wise and the strong. 
That's just oftentimes what we do in our, in our careers and in our, you know, those who are managing and helping us manage our, our finances. And when it comes to the finding relationships and spouses, we, we, we want to find the one that, that is wise and strong. And all of that is, uh, is just the, the natural way we think. The world thinks in, in those terms. You know, the, the powerful, you know, the, the, the ones that, you know, are, are, are strong and powerful and, and, and intelligent and, you know, and, and have, you know, some resolve to them and some strength to them. That's just the way that the world chooses. And that's oftentimes the way that we think as well. But God, on the other hand, God chooses the weak and the foolish. God chooses the weak and the foolish. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to this church in Corinth, explains to them, like, when it comes down to it, if there was a blow-pop sucker or a dum-dum sucker, God always will choose the dum-dum. He will always choose the dum-dum. Why? Why is that the case? Well, he tells us why in verse 29. So that no human may boast before God. So that no human can say, I did this, I accomplished this, I achieved this, I, I have this, this social status because of you know, my intellect, my wisdom, my strength, my power. And so that's the way, but that's the way that the world thinks. We think that we've done things or accomplished things or achieved a certain status of something because of something that we've done. And God's going, listen, just so that, just so that people know that it's not them. He says, God says, I prefer just to choose the weak and the foolish. I choose the dum-dum over anything else. You're like, are you calling me a dum-dum? You can take that however you want. And so I'm calling me a dum-dum is what I'm, who I'm calling. So God says, listen, this is the way that I work. I choose the weak and the foolish, though the world chooses the wise and the strong. But God says, I think in different ways, and I want you to think in different ways. As a matter of fact, Jesus came along, and one of Jesus' first sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching the sermon, and here's what he's telling them. And he's got this large crowd gathered around. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And they're thinking, blessed? And that word blessed means like happy. Like happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is totally upside down to the way that they normally think. They're thinking, you know, blessed are the, are the rich. You know, blessed are the ones that have great economic status and social status. Great are those. And they're the ones. They're the ones that are going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. It's not the way that it works in the kingdom of heaven. The way that it works in the kingdom of heaven is our blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on and says this. He even says this, which is sort of mind-boggling. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You say, blessed when we're persecuted? Blessed when we're persecuted? Blessed are the poor? Like, blessed are those who mourn? Like, these are the things that Jesus is teaching. And, and here's the thing about his, his teaching. Jesus' teachings were about the kingdom. And his kingdom teachings were confusing. They're confusing. People are hearing these teachings and they're going, what in the world? Like, 
Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who mourn. God chooses the foolish and the simple and God chooses the weak over the strong because that's, that's contrary. That's opposite. It's a paradox of the way that we normally think. And his teachings, his kingdom teachings, confront what seems right. It confronts what, what, what feels right. It, it, it completely got, jumped into the face and, and hopefully this is the way that you feel right now. It's like, this is like totally opposite of the way that I would function because if it was me, I'm choosing the wise and the strong when it comes to building my, you know, my corporation or my organization or, or people that I want to work for me. And I, that's the way that I'm thinking. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That's the opposite. His teachings confront what feels right. It confronts what our natural bend is too. Where our natural bend is and our tendencies are to move in one direction, Jesus is saying, I'm doing something else. As a matter of fact, you know the prayer that Jesus taught, right? He says, here's what I want. He says, your kingdom come. He's praying. He said, when you pray, you should, you know, this should be a part of your prayer life. And we'll, we'll get back to this in a second. But he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, I want this kind of kingdom mindset to happen on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to have this kind of thinking. I want you to have this kind of mindset. I want you to think about the people in your life and the way you do life and, the, and what, you, you know, what you perceive and the, who you choose. He says, I want you to think about this kind of mindset because it's not only in heaven, but it's also on earth. Your kingdom come here as well. And what Jesus did with his kingdom teaching. The kingdom of heaven, or what's also synonymous. So Matthew would say the kingdom of heaven, and Mark and John would say the kingdom of God, but they're all the same idea. He says, the, he says, the kingdom, what I've come to do, he says, I've come to turn the kingdom upside down. I want your kingdom to be flipped upside down. Thank Kim Wally for the graphic of that. That was good stuff, right? Yeah. So this is what he came to do. He, cho he chooses the, the dum-dums of this world. One day, Jesus was asking his disciples, hey, who, who, who do you say that I am? Or who do other people say that I am? Who others? And they're like, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John the Baptist. And Jesus is like, well, who do you think that I say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, wow, Peter, that's right. Heaven, heaven revealed that to you. God revealed that to you. That, that's exactly right. And then Jesus goes on to say this to Peter. He says to Peter, and I say to you, also, to you that you are Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. 
And I'm telling you, if you know, you know Peter, right? If you've been in church, you know that Peter, man, he, he was a guy that was like stuck his foot in his mouth a lot. He made, you know, he made a lot of mistakes. He was the one that was like, you're going, this is the guy you want? This guy, Jesus? You're choosing this guy to follow you? And now you're telling him that upon Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it? You're telling Peter this? I mean, Jesus, I, this is at this point, one of the disciples like, hey, Jesus, <laughs> You remember what Peter, like, remember? Like, you know this guy. Like, you can't trust, I don't know if you can trust this guy. Jesus is like, I I got it, I got it, I got it. And not only that, but Jesus even doubles down. He says, look look at it, he says in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. At some point, one of the disciples had to have been like, Jesus, it's one thing to say, like, upon that statement, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. But you're going to give Peter the keys? You're going to give him the keys? Are you going to trust this guy with the keys? You don't just trust anybody with the keys, right? You don't, get, you don't just dull out keys whenever you want to dull out keys. It's just not how it works. Years ago, um, when we were younger, um, I don't know, I was like 17 or 18, um, and my car was getting, uh, f- uh, having some work done. It was getting a, a repair. I don't exactly remember what it was. doesn't matter. It was about a mile, mile and a half down the road for where this guy was that we, we knew uh, that was a mechanic that was fixing my car. Well, that day, the, I got a call that the car was done, and I had somewhere to, that I needed to go or wanted to go. It's probably more like I just wanted to go, and I was in a hurry and wanted to go, and I... And my parents were, were gone. So there was no, no car. They were gone. My car was done. I wanted to go somewhere. And it was just, it was just me at home and my 13 or 14-year-old brother, Brent. And so I go to Brent. I go, can you drive? 13, 14, where are you? how old are you, Brent? About 13 years old. I said, can you drive? And Brent goes, yeah. <laughs> I said, let's go. So I got, I, I must, there must have been another, you know, one of my parents' cars. So I get in my parents' car. We drive a mile or so down the road, pick up my car and Brent, there's Brent. I'm, I'm, I'm driving back. I don't, so don't do this. This is a bad idea. I remember I was only like 17. This is a bad idea. Like it, so here's Brent, like, just going, let's go, let's do it. Like, like I, I'm like, here's the keys. Like, let's, and so I picked up my car, Brent drove, I don't know if it was my car or my parents' car, back to the house, a mile back to the house. This is like, like, this is the picture of what Jesus is saying. He's like, you're going to give keys to, like, a 13-year-old? You're going to trust a 13-year-old in your car? And I would, my son is 15. He went through driver's training, and I don't want him to have my keys at all. <laughs> I, I don't want him to drive at all. It's scary. It's scary. We drive around the neighborhood. It's terrifying. Get out of the way. Literally, get out of the way. Carol, Reba, you saw it. It's scary. <laughs> this is what Jesus is doing. He's going, hey, Peter, I know you're, you're kind of a dum-dum. But I'm trusting you with the keys to the kingdom. Why? Because God chooses the foolish. God chooses the weak 
to confound the wise and to confound the strong. Why? So that God can get all the glory when God works through you. And you, don't, you can't boast about anything because you're like, I don't know how that happened. You know how we know that Peter wasn't, was kind of a dum-dum? He's going to kill me in heaven, I'm sure. But you know how we know that Peter was kind of a dum-dum? This is, this is years later. This is years later that Jesus, before Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys. He says, now they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men and they were amazed. They're going, how are you accomplishing and how are you impacting and how are you making a difference the way that you are? You are an uneducated, untrained person. And they were, their minds were blown. Their minds were blown. It was because God said, I'm going to give and I choose the weak and I choose the foolish to confound and to amaze the wise. And the, the teaching of here is, is this. We need to have this attitude in ourselves. That the Philippians, like Kathy read, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the attitude that we need to have. This is the approach that we need to have. The, this kind of kingdom approach, the mindset, kingdom approach, the way that God sees things, that's the way that we need to see things. It's a kingdom approach. Have this attitude in yourself. What was the attitude that was in Christ Jesus? It was this. It was humility over violently. It was humility over violently. This is the attitude that we have. Here's what, here's what it says in, in Philippians 2.5. Who, as he, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Verse 8 says this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. You see, here's what God could have done. God could have come down from heaven because he could have said, I'm coming in flesh, equal to God. And God could have just torched this place. God could have showed up and said, I'm God, I'm the Almighty, and I'm holy, and you will bend a knee. He could have forcibly, violently came upon us and said, you will serve me. Couldn't he have? He could have come in all of his glory and all of his might with legions of angels down and confronted humanity and said, you're broken and you're a sinner and you will stop it and you will serve me and we would have done it out of fear. That's what he could have done. But he didn't. He came and was found in his appearance as a little boy, baby, who grew up into a man and he humbled himself. He humbled himself. It's upside down paradox kingdom mindset. When we meet God in glory face to face, it's 
It's beautiful and terrifying. And he could have approached us in that way, but instead he turned it upside down and he humbled himself. This must be our mindset. Humility. Humility over aggravation. Humility over frustration. Humility over power up, bow up, pride. I'm the man, I'm strong, I'm wise, I know it all. It's, it's opposite. We have to think differently. They have to think differently. We approach this life, we approach this world in a worldly mindset. We bow up, we pride, we get prideful, we get angry, we use our strength and our intellect to get what we want and that's not the approach of God. It's a different mindset. Look what he says about John the Baptist. This is amazing. John the Baptist, he just gets word that John the Baptist has been beheaded. Here's what he says. He says, truly I say to you, among those born of woman, there is not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Can you imagine that? Jesus saying that about us? Like a born of a woman, there's no, there's no one greater. There's no one greater than John the Baptist. Then look what he says in the same verse. Yet, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I mean, Jesus is going, you know, John, he was, he was great. You know why John was great? Not because John came on the scene and puffed his chest, proved how smart he was, how strong he was, how, how bold he was, even though he was, he came on the scene and he demonstrated humility. And Jesus is saying he's great because he's demonstrated humility. And yet, he says, anyone, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. It's greater than him. Where does that come from? How, do you, how are we great? How are we great? Through humility. How are we known as being great in the eyes of God? Through humility. Then look what he says next in verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently. So he, Jesus is now sort of giving the, us this, this word picture or this description of what it's looking like. He's saying, listen, up and from the days of John the Baptist until, until now, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently and violent men take it by force. So here's Jesus is giving this imagery of what it's looking like. And here's what he's describing. He's saying that you know what it's like lately from the days of John the Baptist until now. He says, he says thousands of people, thousands of people were following John the Baptist. And now all of those people, those, that large mass of people are now following me. And Jesus is giving sort of this picture of how the, the God is working 
And the people of God that are so intrigued and engaged in the truth of John's teachings and now the truth of Jesus's teachings are like, they look like a, a, an army besieging a city. That's what it, they, it looks like. It, it's sort of like this. It, here's what Jesus is sort of describing. Maybe not the greatest picture in the world, but it's just this army Coming upon this city. This is the word picture that Jesus is describing. And here's what we know. Here's what we know from television shows that we watch, movies that we watch, books that we read. This is going to get violent. Right? You, you watch any show, anything about this, ar- this kind of army moving in onto a, you know, a kingdom, that's gonna now get violent. And Jesus is saying, you know how when, you know, the army moves in and they're getting ready to take a city, that's gonna start getting violent. But Jesus is saying, you know what will change the city? Now, in the kingdom of heaven, you know what makes a difference now when it comes to our community and our world and our relationships? Jesus is like, it would, it's like, you know what attracts people to that? It's not violence like we normally see in this world, but what attracts people now is humility, Humility. Jesus is going, you know what people were so, it was like, it, he's describing it like this army like invading on the, in the city. He's like the kingdom of heaven is coming like violently. It's just showing a picture of it. It's showing a picture of it. And the, and the army and the people of God are so excited and zealous about what God is doing and how God is working and what Jesus was saying. That they were just invading it like an army would invade a kingdom. But instead of doing it violently, they did it with humility. You know why Rome Rome went from a pagan, anti-Christian city to a now Christian-impacted city? was not because of violence. No Christian raised a sword or a bow or a gun. No Christian did it violently. You know how it was changed and transformed upside down? You know why that city was turned upside down? Because of the humility of God's people. It was the humility It was the love and the kindness and the compassion and those sacrifices that changed a community. You know what will change in our world? It's not something out of anger. It's not something out of aggravation or frustration. It's responding with love and kindness through humility. Jesus is like, you want a difference? You want a difference in your marriage? You want a difference in your home? You want to see transformation happen? It doesn't happen 
when you trying to be wise and you trying to be strong and you bowing up, Jesus said, you know what my kingdom is about? My kingdom is about flipping that on its head and you approaching your world, your kingdom, your community, your home with humility, with humility. And when that happens, Jesus is like, it's like an invading army. People wanting to come in and hear this message of the goodness and the grace and the kindness of God. And it happens through humility. It happens through humility. Here's what, back to Philippians. Do nothing, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility, consider one another as more important than yourselves. Is this, let's be honest, let's be honest. Is this pressing on you a little bit? Does this make you feel uncomfortable a little? It does me. Like if this is the mindset and Jesus is going, this is who I was and this is the way I want you to be. Because this is the way that the kingdom is. And I want you to do nothing, nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. This is why this confronts what feels and seems right to us. It confronts that. And we've got to have a different mindset. We've got to see things a little differently. Another one is we got to losing over finding. Losing over finding. Here's what it says in Philippians. It says this in Philippians 2, 8. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Again, instead of, instead of, Finding his, his life and establishing his, his self on, you know, and, and on earth as king and lord and, and establishing his kingdom. That's not what he did. He did something that nobody thought would happen. Nobody believed would happen and nobody understood why it happened. Instead of, he, instead of he, he was found in the appearance of a man, but then he was found dead on a cross. And John is, writes it this way about us. He says, the one who loves his life loses it and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. This kind of kingdom mindset is about not trying to find yourself here in this world, but losing yourself here in this world so that you can actually find and keep eternal life. It's losing your life. Jesus said, anybody that comes up to me must, must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You want to find life? You want to find joy? You want to find peace? You got to die to self. You got to die to self. And here's the reality. Here's the reality. You and I are sovereign over nothing. You've heard me say this before. You make for a terrible God. 
You do. I make for a terrible God. I mean, why would we think that we would be good gods? Why do we think that we know more about God or being God in this world than God does? Like, come on. I'm like, we, I mean, I wake up in the morning injured. Anybody ever wake up in the morning and you get out of bed and you all of a sudden sprained your ankle in the middle of the night? You're like, what, how did that happen? Like, we, we like, we think that we would make for good gods? I mean, come on. I'm like, you, you think like, you know, your spouse is what, you, is what your spouse is going to give you what you need and you're going to be everything that you need to be for your spouse. We make for terrible gods. Our kids, we don't want to worship our kids. We know better than that. The idea of that, making them the priority, the idea of that is absurd. And we know that to be true, but we function differently. We think differently. There's only one God and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is calling you to say, hey, I want you to deny yourself. I don't want you to live selfishly. I don't want you to make your life about you, but you lose yourself. And when you lose yourself, you're gonna find who you were always meant to be. Listen, listen, here's the reality. The more you die to self, the more you'll realize who you were created in Christ Jesus. Move away from self and move towards Jesus and you'll be more alive than ever before. Come on, do we want that? God created you and made you and formed you and put life into you. And he recreated you through faith in him. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he wants you to realize who you really are in Christ outside of our selfish, sinful nature. And that's a reality that you and I can move closer to. But we have to die to selfishness. And why wouldn't we? No one has let me down more than me. No one has been more abusive to me more than me. Nobody has failed me more than me. Why would I turn inward to think that that's where joy is found or peace is found? We make for terrible gods. Lose yourself. Forfeit your life say I'm tired of taking control of this I'm tired of making this about me God this is for you this is all for you and just like Jesus died on a cross for your sins he gave up his life why so that we can have life and have it to the fullest have it to the fullest the third thing is, it's about serving over spectating. It's about serving over spectating. We have a lot of spectators in the Christian faith. A lot of people that are just sitting out in the bleachers. And say, in, in Christianity, it's a, it's a game. It's a, it's a game that we go out. It's a game that we, we, we play. We're, we're participants. Get off the bench. Start serving. That's what Jesus did. 
Look what it says in Philippians 2. And who, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Then he says this in verse 7. But emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant. But emptied himself and taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. It's about serving. As Christians, we should never be bored. We should never be bored. Because our mission in our serving isn't just on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Our mission in our serving Jesus and our following Jesus is every single day, every moment of the day. Worship is not just set aside from 10 to 11 some a.m. Worship is every single day. You shouldn't be bored. If you're bored as a Christian, you're not doing it right. If you're bored as a Christian and you're like, what do I do? I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. I don't know what it means to serve. I don't know what it means. You're not doing it right. And if you're going, ah, what can I do? Like, you have neighbors. You have people that you go to work with. You have kids in your home, grandkids. Don't be a spectator. Don't wait for somebody like me to come around and say, hey, can you deal, can you talk, can you go there, can you say this, can you? We're in this mission together. If it's just about me and a few others, we're never going to reach the potential that God has for all of us. All of us, all of us are called to serve. Get off the bench. Get out of the grandstands and let's go serve. Jesus came. He's, look what Jesus said. He said this in, in, in Matthew. I'm, I'm running out of time. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles domineer over them and those in high positions exercise authority over them. Then look what he says. It is not this way among you. Do you see it? I know that the world says this, but kingdom of heaven, it's about this. The world saying domineer and authority looks this way, but God says this, it looks this way. It's, it's not this way among you, but whoever wants to be prominent among you shall be your what? Come on, everybody. Come on. Whoever desires to be first, he says, verse 27. Whoever desires to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as, verse 28, look at, look at, look at. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's stop being spectators. Kingdom come on earth, in your neighborhoods, in your community, in your job in your home as it is in heaven. It's about serving, not spectating. Don't be bored. Don't be bored. Don't be bored. So what do we do? Three things, three things quickly. I'm just gonna breeze through them. I know it's late. Three things, three things. Prayer. This is what Jesus taught, right? Hey, pray, pray. Where does he pray? Your kingdom come, right? Your, verse 
Give it, thank you, thank you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is so important. It's your kingdom, God, not mine. It's your will, God, not mine. Not mine. And then the, you got to look at context, right? Context. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? He's saying every single day you pray, your kingdom, not my kingdom. Your will be done, not my will be done. Let that be a prayer every single day of yours. God, God, how can I show humility? God, God, how can I lose myself every single day? God, every single day, how can I serve and not be a spectator. It's a prayer every single day. And you know what he'll do? Every day, he'll give you every day what you need that day to say, it is about your kingdom, not my kingdom. It is about your will be done, not my will be done every single day. Who says, God, I trust you for this day to say, it is about your kingdom. Anybody? Come on, let's go. It's serving, it's losing, it's humility. That's the kingdom mindset. It was the mindset of Jesus. It's about priority. It's about priority. It's a prayer and you gotta, we gotta make some priorities. Look what he, look what he says. I'm, I'm moving quick, but seek first. And I'm, I'm skipping over good, good illustrations too, but the word's more important. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided to you. What do we seek first every day? His kingdom. His kingdom, not yours. You say, well, I need my, I got my kingdom. I got my thing. I got my bills. I got my job. I got my family. I got my, 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 my schedules. I've got places I got to go. I got pe- people I got to see. I got people I got to meet. Listen, that's your kingdom. I know it's an important kingdom, but here's what you need to know. It's seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And then, you know what he says? And all these things that we pr- provided for you. You know what he's saying? Here's what he's saying. When you put my kingdom first, I'll take care of your little bitty kingdom. Oh, your little kingdom is so cute. Hey, you put my kingdom first. I got your kingdom. I know you're so worried about your kingdom. There's so many things that worry in your kingdom. There's so much thrown at us and so many things that we got to deal with and process. And Jesus is going, hey, hey, don't worry about it. I got it. You just put my kingdom first and I'll take care of everything else. You trust him for that? We got to pivot. We've got to pivot. Throw it up there, Kathy. We got to pivot. There it is. I love it. That's a, that's a hard job that they have to do. I, I, so hard. And, I'm, and we need more of you to do it. I didn't sell it very well. We got to pivot. You know what Jesus is saying? He goes, hey, listen, listen. Listen. He said, truly I say to you, unless you change and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a pivot right there. You know why he said that? Here's why he said that. Think about your children. Think about your grandchildren. They are so completely and utterly dependent on you. 
My kids, they don't worry about how much things cost. They don't. They're like, where's, where's my bagels? Where's my goldfish? Where's my certain lunch meat? Like, we, like that, that's how they are. And, like, and, and, and he's saying, listen, here's why I want you to become like children. Because I want you to just trust me. Like my, my son, Nathan, I'll, I'll, I'll use this illustration. My son, Nathan, he's going to homecoming. Bless the, the girl that he's going with. We're, we feel so bad for her. We're paying for her homecoming ticket. That's how bad we feel. It's been a complete debauchery. We are embarrassed as his parents that he's taking this poor girl and her parents are like, this is the guy that you're going with? Like, what? You don't want me to be honest? What? We, we can't be tr- truthful in here? No? Oh, okay. We've, t- we've told him all these things to his face. He's fine. He needs a suit. He doesn't have a suit. He tried on my suit. It was, it was too big for him. So he needs a suit. I don't know if you bought a suit lately, but those are expensive. So we went to Kohl's the other day. There's a picture of him right there. Look at this guy. Look at this guy right there. That's a suit. You know, he, you know what he wasn't thinking about at all? He was just thinking about what he looks like. He wasn't thinking about how much it costs. But you know what I was thinking about? How much does it cost? Like I'm looking at the tip. How much is this? But I don't, he doesn't need to worry about that. Because I got it covered. He doesn't need to worry about that. I got it covered. Here's what God's saying. He's like, come on, come pivot. You got to pivot in your thinking when it comes to kingdom of heaven. You gotta think like little children. You gotta think, God, I need you. And I don't know how things are gonna work out, but I just completely trust you. And I'm not gonna worry about it because it's your kingdom, not mine. It's your kingdom first, it's not mine. And we gotta pivot, we gotta pivot. But it starts with a prayer, God today, God today, God today, your kingdom, your will, your righteousness. We've got to have the kingdom of heaven mindset. Have that mindset in you that was also in Jesus. That's where we gotta be. So let's approach life with humility. Take your life and lose it so that you can truly find the way that you were made to be. Serve. You should never be bored. Serve. Serve. God, ah, it's about your kingdom, not ours. It's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that every day praying that every day and for some reason God you choose you choose the dum-dums of this world and you do that because it confounds the wise why because because the wise see the the amazing incredible transformation of life from sinners to saints 
new creatures in Christ Jesus because they're walking out this thing with humility and we're losing our lives so that we can find true life and joy and peace in you. And instead of just being dominant and authoritative, we're we're turning that on its head and we're just serving. We're serving. We're not standing off on the sidelines waiting for somebody else. Because the truth of the matter is, none of us are really qualified, but you don't call the qualified. You just call those that are willing and able to just start serving. And that confounds the wise. And we can boast not in ourselves, but we just boast in you. Because why? It's all about you. This life is all about you. I pray that we make that every day. Every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.